to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation, so we can grow in our relationship with God. This morning we're going to be in Luke chapter 8, the parable of the soils, and we covered last Sunday, which was the first sermon out of two. So there's four parts to this sermon, but this is the second sermon out of two-part series. Uh, something I didn't want to rush through. It's just too important to rush. Uh, don't want to really rush through anything. Uh, but, you know, we're going to look at how the Word... And, and there's a lot of different symbols here. There's the sower, and then the seed that the sower is, is kind of casting, and... Uh, you know, the soils, and there's so many different symbolisms. There's the sun, there's birds involved in this, and you're trying to kind of take apart this whole parable and assign values to each of the symbolism here. Um, but really, the, the focus is on the soil, because that is a reflection of the human heart. And when we talk about the human heart, we're talking about, again, Hebrew culture, lebed, the heart, it's a, it's a visceral organ, but when they talk about it, they're really talking about the, who the person is, what the person is, the thinking processes, the motion, the emotions, the will, the intellect, and really how we respond to the Word of God or Scripture, how the world responds to it, and are they closed off to it, are they open to it, are they sort of intermediate? So this is just really, really a great parable to understand how people react to, you know, really the internal processes that go on, the thinking processes, the, the investigation, the consideration. How does it happen? I'll give a few examples about my life and, you know, how I kind of came to faith, uh, and then give examples of other people's lives and what I've seen. So uh, we're going to start with verse 1. Now, we covered verses 1 through 3 the last time, but for the sake of just the parable, I'll read 4 through 15 again. It says, And when a great multitude had gathered, and others had come to him from every city, come to him meaning Jesus, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on the rock, and as soon as it sprang up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold. When he had said these things, he cried. It was a passionate appeal. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then his disciples asked him, saying, What does this parable mean? And Jesus said to them, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to the rest it is given in parables, that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root who believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. And the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to maturity. But the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having 
heard the word with a noble and good heart, keep it and bear fruit with patience. So, one is the recap from Sermon 1. Because I talked about the symbolism, I talked about uh, why he spoke in parables, how it was open to everyone, but many of the followers, you know, just kind of followed Jesus for things that they wanted, material things, free meal, a healing, which is great. Jesus loves us and he came and healed a lot of people, cast out demons, but that was where it ended. But there were others, and we talked about the disciples. We talked about verses 1 through 3, the women followers, who were a huge part of his ministry. We see that at the uh, resurrection. Uh, we talked about those in addition to the 12. You know, I'm not going to, for the sake of not repeating everything, I'm not going to go into it. You can check out the first uh, sermon if you didn't get it. But we talked about a lot of things. We even covered the first heart, which was the wayside heart, and that's where it ended. So let's just recap the wayside heart and then go through the, different, the four different types of hearts and the type of people it represents, and let's see what we come up with. All right? So the wayside heart. And we, so it's kind of neat with these parables, right? Uh, my wife is a master gardener. She does a lot of planting. We grow vegetables. She has a flower garden. So I'm really digging agrarian culture and understanding a lot of things. She teaches me things. The soil, the soil, the soil is very important. Uh, so, you know, in, in my personal life, I'm understanding this as well. Uh, I've lived by farms and have seen corn and the different uh, produce and things that are planted and the rows and you know, the, where the farmers go and, and they go through these paths to attend to the crops, right? They even bring machinery through there. Uh, in addition to that, it, you see paths, the beaten path you've heard, where strangers will come through a farmer's fields to get to something. Instead of going the long way, they go, they cut through the, not always appreciated by the farmers, but it starts to trample the ground and develop this sort of wayside, hardened ground, so that if you try to plant something without breaking up the ground, it's just going to sit there. It's not received by the soil. It's not uh, incorporated in it. it. You know, the moisture a lot of times with a compacted ground. So you're learning a lot about farming this morning. Um, but Jesus wanted us to know a lot more than farming. He wanted the spiritual application. So the wayside heart that Jesus spoke about was the type of person who was hard-hearted. Let's just be honest. You know, they maybe hear a scripture, they read a scripture, uh, evangelist gives a, a scripture card, they come to church, right? They're used to a religion and they're comfortable with that. And then they come to church and they actually see the pastor delve into the Bible. And there's a little bit of um, hesitation there, believe it or not, right? God's Word. Jesus said in John 14, if you love me, you'll follow my word. So how, why is there so many in the Christian culture that are, have this um, animus really towards the things of God or God's word? They become hard-hearted. Now, yes, Satan, demonic realm can put in suggestions. Um, I might have thought this before I became a Christian, although I talked about, I touted my denomination, which is sort of a Christian denomination, but I didn't have a relationship with him. So you've heard the term, oh, you're going to become a Jesus freak, right? And these suggestions come up. And this is the birds. God loves birds. But for the sake of the parable, uh, the birds represent the demonic realm that tried to kind of pluck up the seed and the scripture so the person doesn't, it doesn't rest in their hearts. 
Very powerful stuff. Uh, there's no chance of this seed taking root in this wayside or hard-hearted person. You know, God is the way maker. Right? I love that song. Uh, but this person is the excuse maker. They're the wall builder. Uh, anything to keep the things of God out of their life. It's a strange thing. Right? Especially someone who's in a denomination that's even... But Jesus explains to us that is one of the hearts. Now let's go to the second one. Verse 13. He says, But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the word with joy. These have no root. They believe for a while and in a time of temptation fall away. So two out of the four is the stony heart or the rocky heart. Uh, but basically, I find this amazing. I, I love reading the words of Jesus and some things just click. They stick with me. They kind of go somewhere in my mind and my brain and they just kind of sit there because I, I ponder it. He says that initially they receive it with joy. Wow. They receive it with joy. But they don't develop a root system, and when trials come, they fall away. It's joy. The joy is a wonderful thing, right? It's a great emotional experience to have joy. But there's a joy here with no foundation. Um, and again, I'm giving you a wide variety of reasons, uh, how people think. Uh, sometimes, you know, an altar call after, after service. It's, they hear the word and, and it's, there's an emotionalism, which is great, but it isn't, there's nothing developed at the root of it. And they will come at the end of service to receive Jesus, but maybe it's more of an emotional experience. Maybe they think in their mind, well, if I, they kind of do these calculations. If I come, listen, 19 years of being a pastor and, and just dealing with a lot of people doing a lot of evangelism, I'm just kind of bringing everything full circle so you can understand it. Um, the mindset is, well, if I go forward, right, that uh, Jesus is going to help me and I'm going to kick drugs and alcohol. Like he's just going to do it for me. By the time I leave the place, I'm not going to have a desire for it. Uh, they might think, well, if I come up to receive Jesus, uh, my bills are going to get paid. You know, there's going to be this check in the mail from Heaven's Bank and I can put it in my account and, you know, it's almost like a, there's a legal term, quid pro quo, this for that. So they kind of make these bargains with God and they become disillusioned when God doesn't behave the way they want Him to. Right? So this is strictly, this is an emotional experience. Then they fall away. And I'm going to tell you something, I've seen it and it's heartbreaking. I do a lot of evangelism, sharing with strangers, and it can be absolutely heartbreaking. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to Waiters, waitresses, people at the gym, um, you know, in my travels, and I'm just somehow I'm sharing with them. They actually seem interested. Uh, I said something that was encouraging to them, strike up a conversation, and I see their eyes light up. And I can tell that they are, you know, God loves you. He sent his son to die for your sins. And, you know, you imagine a relationship with the living God, and they're like this. And then I see them maybe a week later, and they're avoiding me. What happened in that week? You know what happened? Somebody got to them. <laughs> somebody got to them. And they may have shared the joy and the excitement and somebody, you know, kind of put, put out their fire. And instead of trusting God, they fall away. Right? Um, it's a tough thing to look at. What are the problems here? Well, we see three things when we take the other Gospels into account. So, 
this is a great scripture. I went into Matthew, I went into Mark, and Matthew and Mark add nuances based on their audience that they wanted to add, which is great. So when you take it all together, there's a few problems. Number one, this heart has a thin layer of soil, it lacks moisture, and it has shallow roots. Now, 2,000 years later, we still use these expressions, don't we? Don't we use it? We say, I say it all the time. We have American culture has become very shallow. What does that mean? It means that a lot, a lot of folks lap, lack depth. To actually sit with somebody and have a conversation about something deep is rare in American culture. You know, the, the educational system, the, the internet, the, uh, everything is, is designed to kind of dumb us down. So we become very shallow creatures. Um, some don't want to be triggered by things that they would hear that they would say, well, that goes against my worldview. I can't hear it. Like they stop up their ears. Uh, again, uh, appearances. You look at a lot of these you know, short videos that are designed to just kind of draw you in. You know, it's like short attention span theater in American culture. Like, you know, and I've even seen it and heard it in the church. Well, I, I really love this one church because the sermons are only 15 minutes. Well, if you came here and you thought that's going to be the case here, I apologize, but that's not going to happen. So we, we try to go deeper into the Scripture, right? We, we want to have depth to our, our psyche and, and our spirit, right? These are things that are very important. Uh, it also talks about a person with no roots. What's the problem here? In the time of trials and stress, then what happens is there's no foundation, there's no root system. They're shallow roots. They're not attached to anything. And what happens is the person withers away pretty easily. So what is the root system? What's the nourishment? Well, we can look at God's Word. We can look at fellowship. We can look at prayer. And we can look at time. Oh, time. You tell people to be patient. In our culture, they don't want to hear that. Give it time. You know, and, and I see this with new believers a lot. They're, they're so frustrated. God's not acting quick enough. And I find myself saying, it actually tests my patience because I say the same thing a lot. And I say, just give it time. This is a walk with the Lord. You just met Him. You know what I'm saying? You were just reconnected with the One who created you. Give it some time. I'll share a, a story. And I hope my mother wouldn't mind. Uh, sort of an open testimony. But here goes. Uh, I'll find out if she listens to it later. But she uh, has openly said that when she was young, she was a young adult, she went to a Billy Graham concert and she came forward to receive the Lord. And she had nowhere to go. She couldn't find a church. She, you know, you're at this place with a whole bunch of strangers and she didn't make any connections. And the next 30 or so years, she lived her life like a complete heathen, if not worse. And... So fast forward after my sister and I are born and uh, she actually goes to a church that's a Bible-believing church. She goes up again. Now this time she develops a support system. She understands how to pray. She's been reading her word. And you know what? My mom is saved, right? She's, she's saved as saved can be. I, I know her. Obviously, she's my mother. And I can see that this time it was completely genuine which is pretty powerful. And that begs the question, now Jesus doesn't address it here, but if I could give my humble opinion, uh, can soils change? I believe the answer is yes. Right? So, uh, and there's so many examples like that. But Matthew 13, 6, it says that the sun, so 
you, you have this situation with these shallow roots and uh, the sun comes up. And we love the sun, right? The S-U-N. Uh, but in this parable, the sun is a picture of trials and temptations. And it says that it scorches anything that starts to grow. It totally scorches. That's a very powerful word. Uh, you see trials and temptations, the carrot and the stick. Truthfully, every heart that professes a faith in God or Christ will be tested. And that's the unenjoyable part. But again, give it time. We look back, and I didn't like any of the trials I went through as a new believer. But I look back and I say, well, I probably wouldn't be here in front of you if I didn't go through those trials, right? So it's not fun when you go through it, but they're necessary. Matthew thirteen 21. I'll just add, well, I'll take this from Matthew's expression of this parable or what he felt that he liked to put in there that Luke didn't have. It says, Yet he has no root in himself and endures only for a while. But when tribulation and persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Immediately he stumbles. Now, this is fascinating. And this is why it is so important, especially for Christianity, to know the entire counsel of God. To know the Bible to study the Bible. It's the living Word. It's a lifelong process. Because now I'm going to compare something I talked about in Luke 7 and bring it full circle with Luke 8. Remember we talked about uh, John the Baptist and John has this crisis of faith. Jesus assures everyone that he's a great prophet. And he says to the hearers, and blessed is he who doesn't stumble because of me. The same word is used here, stumble. And again, that word, I'm not going to go through the whole sermon again, but it's scandalizo, where we get the word scandal from. And it's very important that the Lord Jesus tells us that you you need to, this isn't a game. This isn't like changing a genre, remaking yourself, uh, getting a new wardrobe, buying a different car, moving to another place. This this has to stay with us, this this relationship with Christ. It's got to go the distance. Now, we, we have our peaks and valleys. I have them too. I have some valleys that they're not fun. Um, God doesn't give me special privilege because I'm a pastor. I go through them too. But I still maintain my love for him, the mission, the goal. You've got to keep looking towards that finish line, right? So the, we're going to have ups and downs. We're going to go through bad times. But that we don't fall away, right? That we don't fall away no matter what happens. So this sun-scorched heart, right? The, the roots, they dry up, the moisture is the person, again, they receive it with joy, and maybe at some point they come back and, again, somebody got to them. Maybe a family member. Oh, that's stupid. Oh, it's one of those Bible people. Oh, pss, don't even listen. So the person was, had joy, and then somebody puts their fire out. Could be a professor. I know a lot of young adults who go to college and they're afraid to share their faith because it will, it will, in today's culture, it will affect their grades. And that goes to show you how unobjective some of these professors are. My coworkers, my profession, they're putting pressure on me. I'm out. I'm out. Taking the path of least resistance. So it's, it's fascinating. Now, the irony about today is it's 102 degrees out. You know, I try to be, you know, I use a lot of humor and I, you know, maybe you shouldn't play hooky from church and, you know, maybe you shouldn't do something else because it's going to be 102 and there's air conditioning in the church. Thank God for air conditioning. And you'll probably be a lot safer health-wise if you come to church 
but whatever. It works. Sometimes it doesn't. 102 degrees. I'm not a fan of the extreme heat, but boy, my, I can't, I'm watering my weeds. Like I'm watering my, my clover because the bees use the clover to make honey. It's like everything's dying. My wife and I are out there all day with the hose and the spray. We have a well, so we're not violating any restrictions. It's a deep well. There's another analogy in that one. Deep well, right? Uh, but everything's getting scorched. And only something, right? We do have some trees and shrubbery that naturally have deep roots, and they're doing well. They're finding something a few feet down that they're able to tap into, and they're staying green, and the leaves aren't withering, and that's impressive. So roots, right? Jesus is God, right? When he shares these parables, he, he, he can pick from anything in creation and make a parallel to the spiritual realm. I'll leave you with one more thing and we'll move to the next heart. Um, so I don't do this anymore. I got it out of my system. When I bought my first house in East Brunswick, it was a little piece of lawn and I had to make sure, I don't know why, because my neighbor, I don't know. So the lawn, I had to be green and I treated it and stuff and it would just annoy me. Every June, July, and August, I had a four-foot-by-four-foot square patch of lawn that turned yellow. And boy, it drove me nuts. I would water it, water it, and it just kept... And I said to myself, I bet you there's something under there. Duh. So I dug, and it turned out that there was something under it. And before they sold me the house, there was, I guess, a concrete pad, four-by-four, that maybe they had a basketball uh, pole or hoop uh, attached to, whatever. And instead of breaking it up, and it was, I guess it was an eyesore. It was there for a very long time. They put some soil over it, planted some seed, and sold the house. So you know what I did? I took a sledgehammer, and I broke up that pad. So that would be green as well. So it was a perfect example of something that had very little... I don't do that anymore, okay? So it's, it's, I worked it out of my system. Uh, but it's a perfect example of something that in the fall and in the spring... Green, lush, gorgeous. As soon as the sun comes up, the heat, the lack of moisture, that thing every year turned yellow. Drove me nuts. And I finally fixed the problem. So I can't help but think of that when I go through this. All right, verse 14. So it says, And the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of life and bring no fruit to maturity. So three out of four is the thorny heart. The thorny heart. Now, what you find in each one of these, until we get to the fourth one, is there's a progression. There's a little bit of a progression a little bit further, but it doesn't full, fully make uh, fruit to maturity. Right? Here, we look at a few things. And again, I went into uh, Mark and I went into Matthew because... When in Jesus' full sermon, he gives a whole list of things in this heart that compete with God's love and God's affection. Right? Strategy change. So number one, the cares. Of oh, cares. What's cares? I looked it up in the Greek. It means distractions. American culture, 2022. We are filled with distractions. Right? So this person receives, it seems like they're making a progression, but they just never bring that fruit to maturity because of the distractions that are competing with God's affection and God's attention and God's love, the pleasures of life. Just for the record, Christians are allowed to have pleasures too, absolutely. However, in this soil, this is another thing. It's almost like they're lined up to compete with 
with the fruit growing. They're all they're thorns, they're weeds. You know, they're attacking. You know, they're, they're vying for the nutrients. They don't want this thing of God to grow up and become something. Matthew tells us the deceitfulness of riches. Now, some may say, read that and go, well, I'm middle class or I'm poor. I don't have riches. All right. When you look it up in the Greek, it can just mean possessions. It can just mean possessions. And if you've been in the same place for longer than a few years, you start to accumulate junk somewhere. A closet, a garage, a shed, an attic. Um, and this just we're, sometimes we can be hoarders in American culture. But possessions can compete with our affection for the things of God for there to be growth in our lives. Mark adds the desire for other things. And you can translate that to, in a sense, always looking around for something else. It's American culture. Listen, I love this country. I wouldn't want to live anywhere else, but we have problems in American Christianity. And the American dream, a lot of times, competes with the gospel in self-professed Christians, Christian lives. Always looking around. People do that with their spouses. They're looking for somebody else. People do that with their kids. They're looking at somebody else's kids. You know, Well, how come their kids... Oh, don't go on Facebook. Everybody has a perfect life on Facebook. Uh, but just always looking around. You know, I got my job, and that person has a better job. I got this house, and that person's got a better house. For me, years ago, it was stupid lawn. My neighbor, his name was Ben. He had this perfect lawn. I would go across the street and say, Ben, how do you get such a... All right, put that aside. <laughs> but... But American culture is always looking around the desire for other things. And these things compete with the things of God. Verse 7, it says that the growth is what? It's choked. That's a strong word. And what are we allowing to choke out the fruitfulness of God's Word in our lives? I paused. Because... If I ask myself that question, I might say, yeah, well, this, this thing might be competing with it. We all know, right? It'll come to, to mind. And this is important that I make the differentiation. I have to do this here between the, the person who's saved and the person who's not saved. So the person who's not saved, they never get to that point in even having a relationship with God because of these things competing and choking out the fruitfulness of the Word. Right? It's just too much going on in their lives. You ever hear somebody say that? It's just too much going on in my life. All right, we're talking about God, eternity, blah, 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 blah. Too much going on in my life. Can't be bothered right now. It's just too much. However, those who are going to heaven can also have a problem with this. They can go through those times of, you know, a few weeks, and it's it just insidious. It creeps up on us. So many things to do. And one day they kind of wake up and go, I feel distant from God. Don't blame God for that. God never moves. He's always a stable, strong force in our lives. If we find ourselves that we're way away from Him, it's because we move, not Him. So this is something that, yes, this is a heart, the thorny heart. They don't get to that, that point. But at the same time, I would be um, nonfeasance. It would be nonfeasance of me not to say that even among Christians, we have to guard ourselves from all the activities that we do and we just kind of distance ourselves from the Lord. So here, the thorns, weeds, whatever, everything grows in this soil and that's the problem. The first two soils, not much is growing. 
The third soil, everything is growing. Here, let me just take it from another angle. Even for those that they have a worldview or a philosophy, and they want Jesus too, as if they have a, a, a shelf with all their idols and their gods, and Jesus is put up there too. He doesn't want to be up there. He's either Lord of all or He's not Lord at all. So, you know, distractions, philosophies, what happens is the, the, these people make it equal to God and then God ceases to be God. Now, the evil genius of the demonic realm is that the first two, the person's pulled away from God. In the third soil, everything else is just made equal to God and God becomes small. And God, He's not going to inhabit that. So... The demonic realm is very smart. Even among Christians, they get to the point where they probably uh, strategize and say, well, we can't get this group of people not to believe in God. So let's just flood them with all these temptations. You can even see it. And and listen, it's good to go up the, the chain and be something and get a promotion. But sometimes too many promotions will take us away from not only God, but our family. You know what I'm saying? Um... And again, there's nothing wrong with getting promoted, right? We have to take everything in its context. Where are we? Is this good for me? Is this, what about a bigger house? Do I really need this bigger house? Because, you know, my friends have this and it just never ends. It's the rat race. And then you're in your 70s and 80s and say, what did I do with my life? I mean, that has any meaning to it. So in this soil, got to be some weeding done. And thank you to everybody here who's part of the, the garden crew who are doing the weedings. You're diligent, you're tireless, and you've got to pull them weeds out of the gardens, literally, because they sap the moisture and the nutrients from the things that you want to grow. They're opportunistic. Verse 14, they bring no fruit to maturity. John 15 is, you've got to read all of John 15. I'm the, the vine, you're the branches. Oh, it sounds so nice, Jesus. Oh, what till he gets to the part about... the. The, the branches and not producing fruit and they're just removed from the vine just to be burned in a pile. Well, that's not so pleasant, is it? Fruit is important. We talked about uh, spiritual fruit last Sunday. It, it isn't that I did a good deed. It, this is a reflection of who we are. It's our relationship with Christ. Um, it's not enough just to believe in God. James 2.19 tells us that even the demons believe in God. And guess what? They're not saved. Yeah, they believe in God. They're in constant rebellion with Him. They see Him front and center. They see Him more, I guess, I don't want to say uh, actually, than we do. Right? So there's no way those demons or any of them believe, oh, there's no God. Well, they know. They remember He created them. They had uh, privilege where they were. And uh, now they're, at, they're literally at war with Him. Uh, and it's not going to be good. So even the demons believe. But it, I don't want to be with them, that's for sure. Even the cults can do uh, rote good deeds, right? You, you see a lot of these cults, they purposely spend millions of dollars with PR people and, and, and doing good deeds because they want to cover the fact that they do evil things. That's not mature fruit. Do we have mature fruit? And again, very important, I've said this before, it isn't about numbers. You know, sometimes we can look at these big ministries and on the internet and, you know, these pastors with these big names and, and they're like, oh, and it's so weird. It's like this thing about, oh, they have 50,000 followers or, oh, this person's international. Big deal. Shepherd the flock among you. That's what God has called pastors to do. 
So when we get caught up in that, we can say, oh, Pastor Joe, this, this sermon's too much for me. I, I, I see what Christianity does, and I, I can't even put a dent in it. It's not what God's looking for, right? You could do things that no, no other human would ever see, but you're just a kind person, and you minister to people. You minister to the elderly. You do things, uh, small things, the Bible says. Don't despise the small things. And to God, that's tremendous. It doesn't matter if it's on the news or you're on the Internet. Who cares? So is it who we are? Do we have mature fruit? Or are we still kind of straddling the situation where we haven't really put our foot uh, firmly in one place or the other? Right? I think about, too, here's another example. Uh, people do this. They, they get scared. And Christians read something in the news. I don't want to... I think I know his name, but I don't want to say the wrong name. But there was a famous Christian author who... Won, it's so weird. This, this, to me, I'm sorry. I guess it's my old profession that creeps up in me. But this dude, he's a, an author, and, and I gave his name the last time. I just don't remember it. Um, and he comes out, and he gets the media out, and he says, I have an announcement. And there's all these cameras and stuff. He goes, I'm not a Christian anymore. Ooh, wow, you needed all the attention to say that. Um, you know, I left my wife, and, did it, uh, and it didn't work out. He's, he's the guy who's bargaining, right? So, all right, you, you listen. Christians go through things. They go through tragedies. But to blame it on Jesus and to say, I'm just not a Christian anymore, the guy was remaking himself in the secular world. So is he that guy that he never produced a mature... But he wrote books. It doesn't matter, folks. Satan's a great deceiver, you know? And even his uh, ministers, Corinthians tells us, they come across as ministers of righteousness. You see it on the internet, And then you find out these big things and and Christians who are weak in their faith get scared. Is this true? Could this happen? And I just check in my blood pressure. It doesn't go up one pulse every minute. I read that article and that worship leader, I'm not a Christian anymore. Whatever. Maybe they're just with too many weeds and thorns in there. Listen, this stuff is not, this isn't your uh, typical, topical, you know, touchy-feely sermon. We need to know these things because then when the trials come and we see the things in the media, we don't lose our marbles because we're grounded in what Jesus says. Don't care what he says. I care what Jesus said. And I'm going to take that over anybody else's testimony or, you know, whatever. So there's a lot to this. Um, I would just say this, and maybe you could read this on your own. Luke 11, 24 through 26. I'm not going to cover it because I'm eventually going to get to it. This isn't something to fool around with. You know, it's, it's not something to play with. It isn't. You know, today I'm skiing. Uh, next month I'm going to learn another language. Next month I'm going to learn to play the piano. Great. Following Christ, is, it's, he, he carries you through your ups and downs. You know, you go through the storms. We're going to cover that. The disciples, they were in the storm with Him. They were on the boat with Him. You know what's funny about the disciples? They made a lot of mistakes. But when the storms came... And Jesus was on the boat and they were on the boat. You know what they didn't do? They didn't get a life preserver, jump off the boat and start swimming away. None of them did that. Because they knew the best place to be in a storm was with Jesus. Now, did they get upset? Did they say things to Him like, you don't understand, we're perishing? You're talking to Jesus. (laughs) I would have done the same thing, so I'm not putting myself above them. Uh, But the point is, who He is is woven through every fiber of our being. And for me, no matter what happens to me, if some horrible tragedy happens to me and I can't do this anymore, I'm still going to follow him. I'm all in. I'm all in. 
verse 15. It says, But ones, the ones that fell on the good ground are those who, having heard the word with a noble and good heart, the right heart, the right soil, keep it and bear fruit with patience. So four is the receptive heart, right? The receptive heart. So if I could just say this from another, another angle, because I, I don't want, again, I don't want people to get the wrong impression. It, it's got to be big. It doesn't have to be big. Nothing has to be big. You know, in, when I was in economics in college, I loved, I, to me, economics is a fascinating course. Um, unfortunately, a lot of government officials don't under, fully understand economics. They should be able to take the courses as a prerequisite to running for office, but that's my personal opinion. So with economics, they would, they would talk about, you know, you produce something, and they would call, they call it a widget. I think they actually, there's something on Amazon you could buy that's called a widget. But, so it's, it's this fictitious little thing, this widget that you make. And the world sort of cares a little bit if you're in a factory. They care a little bit about your effort. They just want to make sure that at the end of the day, you make so many widgets. That's the way the world is. But my, I put, boss, I put my heart into it. It doesn't matter. You're consistently below what all the other employees, you're fired. God is the opposite. God doesn't say you got to make 500 widgets a month. He says, I want to see your motives. I want to see your heart. I want to see what's inside of you when you do these things, when you do a good deed, when you uh, show compassion. You know, what are your motives? What's your heart like? So the world says, make us the widgets. God says, I don't care how many widgets you make. I want to know where your heart is in making the widgets. You see the difference? Huge difference. So it's powerful stuff. It, it totally is. So this receptive heart, again, it's just woven to, through who we are. Now, the question is, for everyone listening, including on the live stream, is which soil are we? I'll just do a recap. A, are we the first soil? We hear the word, we blow it off for a variety of reasons. The seed can't get past the walls that we put up. Now, if you're listening or watching and somebody talked you into coming here or watching and you're that person and you hear what I'm saying, I didn't write this, <laughs> don't you find it, if, even if you have a hard heart, don't you find it fascinating that God knows your whole mindset on how you're dealing with listening to the Scripture? How does God know this? Well, how do you know this? Well, how are you describing me? I'm just reading what he said 2,000 years ago. So to me, that's powerful. B, are you the person who's real excited? You have an emotional experience. And emotions are good. I love experiencing the joy of the Lord. I love seeing people get saved. But sometimes, well, a lot of times, our walk with the Lord is more than emotions. It's the hunkering down. It's, oh, this is really difficult. Lord, are you, are you, are you hearing my prayers? I, This is an impossible situation for me. So emotions are good, but we have to stand the test of time in our faith that's got to transcend mere emotions. Okay? Listen, I'm Mediterranean. I had my DNA done. We are passionate and emotional people. And those are good things. But there is a lot of the uh, times in my life, in my walk, that I'm not feeling it. But I don't walk away from the Lord. Okay? So... The trial, the temptations come. And it's not just the temptations. It's, the tr- it's the, not just the trials. It's the temptations to draw you away from the Lord. Right? The carrot and the stick. 
And then that, this person discards God. C, the third soil. Calling self a Christian for a while, but allowing every distraction, pleasure, worldly pursuit to pull us away from God. Choking any fruit we might have started to produce. That to, we get to the point where no unbeliever would even guess if you said, I'm a Christian. What? Really? They know you for a year, two years, and they're just, wow, well, I, well, I, I never knew. And again, it's not that you have to be flamboyant about your faith. It's just, is there something different about how we just deal with people? Can we just show in respect, showing empathy, right? Or D, are we the fertile heart? Could be somebody right now wrestling with that decision and saying, I know he's going to do an altar call. Is this something that I want to stand the test of time with? Is this something that I can, I can see it, I can understand it, I can intellectualize it, the emotional part of me is, is looking forward to it, and then with an act of your free will, you say, yes, this is what I want. I'll leave you with this. God has given us power. He's given us free will. We have the power to resist Him as hard as we want. Or to be as fertile as we want. I truly believe that. What are you going to do with that power that God gave you? Are we going to dig our feet in, our heels in? And again, I talked about my mom. I would say that she was probably the the stony ground. She was probably better than me. She was one step uh, better than me. Initially with me, I was the wayside heart. I was the one where nothing was getting in. And I would... Probably, you know, I probably would laugh and mock at somebody who tried to share the gospel with me. That's where I started. So I believe that hearts can change. What are we going to do with the power to choose our path in life and eternity? John 3.16 is real. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have eternal life. Do we believe that? And if we don't know the Lord, what are we going to do with that? What are we going to do with the love correspondence from God espoused in His Word? You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7 p.m. And Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages, in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to www.cccrossfields.org, where you can also watch or listen to previous messages. If you have any questions, or have a prayer request, please email us at contact at cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless.